At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. All right, welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Jason Vanderbrink, President of Federal Ammunition, and with me we have Jason Nash. So good morning, Jason. Morning. And today we're talking about preparing for a hunt of a lifetime. Joining us is Nick Hoffman, host of Nick's Wild Ride on the Outdoor Channel. So Nick, uh, you've traveled the globe, either playing country music for Kenny Chesney, as we all know, or hunting the world's diverse uh, animals. Great to have you this morning, and we look forward to a discussion and uh, our listeners get to know you a little better, Nick. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having us, or having me, I should say. Yes, no, or uh, and as as we get through the podcast, it's a it's a very interesting story with Nick, um, and especially with Federal, um, and we'll certainly cover that why why the two brands, if you will, come together because there's a long, long, long history of uh, of the companies. So, Nick, you you define wild ride with your career. We have a local paper here in Minnesota recently did a in depth feature on you, highlighting you growing literally up in the shadows of the federal factory. So could you give our listeners the relationship that you have with federal that goes back decades? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in Anoka and just North of uh, Anoka in a little town called Nowland. So my grandparents uh, were born and raised or my grandfather was born and raised in Anoka. I went to high school in Anoka uh, the whole nine yards grew up there, right there on the river. And, uh, I grew up in now then, which is about 20 minutes North of Anoka. So, um, Anoka County is, um, you know, uh, as, as deep in my veins as anything. And, uh, I love it. And so you, know, you mentioned growing up in the shadow of the factory, quite literally, um, my grandfather, uh, what you know our family's tied to federal because of hoffman engineering which if you ever drive through anoka or you ever come to the federal factory uh it, the two buildings are connected and uh and they share a cafeteria actually so my uh, engineering company that my grandfather started um was was co-founded by the the former president of federal uh, charles horn and so um if it weren't for charles horn and federal uh, my grandfather would have never got his own business started and uh and, you know, which ended up becoming one of the biggest employers in Anoka County. So that's a really great legacy that, that he leaves for my family and for, and for the whole, the whole area there. So I'm, I'm proud to be associated with Anoka. And of course, I'm proud to be associated with federal because of it. No, it's a, it's a very interesting story. I mean, we literally share, like you said, we share the same cafeteria with your grandfather's uh, company. So it's, it's pretty Yeah, cool. it's crazy. It, I remember you know, him bringing home back when they could do this, you know, uh, they, you know, the factory seconds, they used to be able to, uh, give it a discount to the employees. And my grandpa would bring home uh, a case of, you know, 20 gauge shells and we'd go out and, and, uh, and, and shoot and, and 
and it, we used to go over to the to the range that used to be there at federal and and it was it was just always part of my childhood and I, every every time i drove through anoka i drove right past the federal factory you know so as a kid growing up uh loving the outdoors as well that was a mythical place to me that's where they make all the ammo wow you know and the button the there's these little huts outside there that are still there that where you keep uh you know gunpowder and stuff and uh you drive by the drive by them when you you know on highway 10 there and i i always would look at those and think that was the coolest thing so federal's always been cool to me you know ever since i was a kid that's that's awesome could you give our listeners a timeline of of before nick's wild ride you know the the country music um phenomenon that you played for and then you know at at what age did you literally start picking up a fiddle and start playing it well, I grew up in a musical family. My grand, my grandparents were both really musical on the Hoffman side. So um, my grandpa was a violinist and a fiddle player and a bass player. My grandma is still alive, lives there just north of Anoka. She's 97. And, uh, and she's a piano player. And they used to have jam sessions at the Hoffman house every Saturday night and, and have uh, folks over. A lot of times you didn't even need an invite. Just people started showing up about dinner time on Saturday nights to play music. And so I have no recollection of not um, playing music. I, they gave me my first fiddle when I was around four years old. And I learned from the old guys that would come over uh, and play fiddle. They teach me some fiddle tunes. And, um, and so I've always played music. And so it was always kind of what I was, I always knew that I was going to move to Nashville. I always wanted to you know be on the radio. I always wanted to do my own thing. And, and so, um, I ended up running away from home when I was 16 years old to Branson, Missouri, of all places. I, I figured that was where I was going to uh, make it big at first. And and, and I'm telling you the, the long story short here, uh, that the, from my time in Branson, I met a guy who um, played with this guy named Kenny Chesney. And, and uh, when I moved to Nashville, I looked him up and they would just happen to be looking for a fiddle player not too long after I moved moved to town. And at that time I was 19 years old and uh, I was able to jump on a rocket ship with him, you know, right before we went from playing clubs to playing stadiums for 60,000 people. And uh, I spent almost 12 years there with him before I got my own record deal on Warner brothers with my band, the farm. And we had two top 40 singles on the radio with the farm and uh, now I've just finished up my first solo album. I got a brand new solo album coming out here uh, in late summer, so or late fall, I should say. So I'm, um, you know, just beyond the TV show. Uh, the, you know, the music thing is is what got me even in the position to have a TV show. So I, you know, I literally when you talk about me, you're talking about watching a guy who's still living his wildest dreams. I mean, uh, you know. Someday I told myself someday I wanted to play in front of 10,000 people and to be able to do that every night now is, is, uh, incredible. No, it's you know? a pretty phenomenal story. So, uh, talk influencers, Safari Club International this year, you, you played with Charlie Daniels. Would you say Charlie Daniels was one of your bigger influencers? Absolutely. And you know, Charlie, you know, when you're a fiddle player, you don't have a lot of people to look up to. You know, uh, it's not like if you're a guitar player, you've got everybody from Stevie Ray Vaughan to Eddie Van Halen to, you know, Jimmy Page, and the list goes on and on and on. But as a fiddle player, your 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 list of influences uh, they they they're pretty, it's a pretty short list. And so Charlie was always the cool guy. You know, he wasn't necessarily the best fiddle player. 
but he was the guy that played the 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 coolest music, you know, and and you couldn't play in a band. I started playing in bands when I was twelve years old. You know, the free bird of the fiddle is definitely went down to Georgia. You know, there's always some drunk dude in the back of a bar yelling, Play devil went down to Georgia, you know, always. And so that was that was a huge part of my growing up and and Charlie Daniels music has paid a lot of rent bills and light bills for me over the years, uh, playing in for kips and bars and playing in clubs and all that stuff. So to get to play with him and to later on get to be friends with him, uh, was nothing short of another dream come true. And, um, in fact, a lot of people don't, don't know that he was in the very pilot, the first episode of, of Nick's Wild Ride too. He was gracious enough to, to be in the, in the episode and let me interview him. And we played a little fiddle together and, and I and there's no doubt that that helped draw the interest of the network and sh- you know set my thing apart from a lot of other people's. And so I not only owe a lot to Charlie musically, I owe a lot to him with the, with Nick's Wild Ride as well. So to get to play one of his last concerts ever, um, made very possibly his last concert. Where I'm not exactly sure at SCI this last year was a dream come true. It's amazing. So let's talk about Nick's Wild Ride. What uh... What is the meaning of the title? <laughs> it, uh, I guess, you know, back in, back when we were first getting the show going, um, there's, uh, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, that, that, uh, there was the, the original kind of concept for the show was to get um, somebody like Charlie or, or a celebrity of some sort to give me a kind of a ride to where I was going. And then I was going to go hunt. Um, what, what the, as the show developed, it, it, it became more about the local food and the culture and the history and, and, and it was about, you know, having some sort of celebrity guest on there. And so the wild ride actually originally came from, uh, an idea that, that, um, my friend Dave Watson had about getting a ride from somebody to go where we're going, but also it had a double entendre, which was, you know, that I was going on this kind of crazy adventure every week and, and, uh, and wild obviously had some kind of clever hunting, you know, uh, nod to it as well. So it's, uh, you know, a little bit of a cheesy name, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely kind of, uh, it, it sums up what we do. I mean, I go, I go around and do, go on these crazy adventures and do crazy stuff and eat crazy food and, and, uh, you never know what you're going to get. And so, um, now here we are about to start filming the sixth season. The season starts airing in three weeks. It's hard to believe. I, I'd have laughed in your face six years ago if you told me that we'd be six seasons into a TV show. Uh, that wasn't something I saw coming in my life. No, so. it's, uh, it's a, and it's a cool show. I mean, it's a, it's a different show. Thank you. That's great. Hey, Nick, what other influences were there for you on, your, on the television side? You know what? There are a lot of shows on the Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel that have a pretty similar format. How did you separate yourself? Cause I think uh, a lot of people watch the show. Uh, it, it's different. Well, it's a good question. I, uh, the, my, my really, obviously I have some of the, when it comes to hunting, I love traditional hunting shows. I mean, I, I still watch them and I still have old, you know, monster buck DVDs that I still watch. I, you know, I, I've been watching hunting VHS movies that I used to buy with my allowance when I was a kid since I, I've always loved that stuff. So I grew up with the same influences 
um, you know, hell, even damn Babe Winkleman uh, growing up watching Babe Winkleman with my dad, you know, like all these, all these people that I grew up watching, I, I, I think they all probably have some, some little bit of influence here, but really it was the, the reason I ended up with the TV show is be, really because of Lee and Tiffany Likoski and, and Don and Candy Kiski. I, I met them backstage at a concert. And they, uh, Don and Lee and Tiffany were Minnesotans and we, we connected on that and they were just getting, getting close going the first season of their show. And they invited me out to Iowa to go on a hunt with them. And I went on my first ever Turkey hunt with them. This is almost 15 years ago now. And, and I was, you know, and I just, we got to be great friends and I was so honored to go and I, and I had so much fun being on their TV show. So as their show took off, I got to be a guest on their show like every year. And then I met Don and Candy Kiske. And so I started kind of guesting on all these TV shows. And that was kind of my entrance into that world. Um, and through that, I met Mark Baird, who's a um, producer who's created, you know, Lee and Tiffany's show and, and uh, Whitetail Freaks and a bunch of other really some of the most successful outdoor shows uh, in history. And so I got to be good buddies with him. And one night we were at a industry event, drinking beer and being stupid. And, and, uh, we got to talking about outdoor TV and I made this comment that I think it'd be really cool to do like an Anthony Bourdain style hunting show where uh, it could, didn't have to be me, it could be, you know, any host go out and it's not just about the hunting. It's about the adventure. It's about going out and exploring local history and food and music and finding the local beer or the local bar or the local burger and um exploring that and he mark immediately said hey that's a that's a good idea you know we should we should look more into that so as we kind of talked about it more and more um we ended up filming a pilot and a pilot episode and took on its own life from there i i still love all those traditional hunting shows but because i wasn't just trying really hard to have a, a, a hunting show and fit a mold because I was comfortable enough to do something different because it wasn't make or break for me necessarily. I already had, I, I was right in the middle of my music career as well. So um, I think because I had that freedom is why it ended up being different. If I was trying really hard to fit into the mold of, of traditional outdoor TV, um, it wouldn't have been the same thing. So, you know, I, the, the time in my life and also Mark Baird are, are the two reasons that, that we did something a little different. It's funny you mentioned Lee and Tiffany. They're, uh, we're sponsoring their show right now. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty interesting that, uh, lots of ties with, uh, with you in, in this company. So, yeah, you know, and I know that means a lot to them too, because as Minnesotans, um, they, they're proud of their roots and proud of where they come from too. And, and, uh, you know, being a legacy company like, like this and being involved with them. I know that means a lot to them. Yeah. So let's talk about your favorite hunt. Do you have a, a favorite hunt that you have done or, or a favorite species that you like to hunt or destination that you like, you know, um, it's sometimes it's, it's hard, especially someone who hunts as much as you do to say, this was my favorite, but is there a favorite? That's the age old question, isn't it? I mean, you know, like you said, I, I get the opportunity to do, stuff I never would have imagined as a kid growing up, uh, that I'd be, I'd be able to, to go do. And so it's hard to pick one thing. Um, you know, but all the first thing that comes to mind is my first time. There's two things, actually. The first time, my first time in Africa, 
um, was, was life-changing. Um, the hunting was incredible, obviously, but it was about more than that, that, that my experience there and, and, and seeing the culture and the people and just how different life is there was a life-changing experience for me. That's not hyperbole either. I mean, it really was, uh, an eye-opening life-changing thing for me. My first time in Alaska being up in the mountains and being in a back country was that, that was like getting a shot of, um, you know, hunting heroin for me. I mean, I've been addicted ever since to the backcountry sheep thing. Uh, so those two things are the first things that come to mind is like these exotic, really, you know, intense things, but man, it's still, still a, a good old fashioned November whitetail hunt is still my favorite. And it probably always will be that and a good duck hunt when it's all said and done. When I, when my knees give out and I can't go up the mountain anymore, I just want to be chasing ducks with my dog and shooting whitetails. You can take the boy out of Minnesota, but you can't take the Minnesota out of the boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. That's spoken like a true Minnesotan. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> don't you know? So Nick, uh, you talk about backcountry hunts like sheep and I mean, those are physically demanding hunts. What do you do? to prepare for something like that, especially when you know you're going to have to have a camera guy with you. There's this whole aspect of having to film a TV show at the same time. Tell us about the gear I, and how you prepare. I, I try really hard to stay, to stay fit all year. I fail uh, miserably often and then jump back on the wagon a lot. So, you know, I, I try really hard. It's been, it's been tough during COVID uh, to, to stay in sheep shape because you can't really go to the gym and you can't, you know, so I've been trying to work out at home. I put a pack on, uh, uh almost every morning with 50 pounds in it, a two, two 25 pound plates in my pack and, and, and hike, uh, at least a couple of miles. I try to, um, I, I ride bike a lot for, um, for cardio. I try to lift at the gym and do what I can, but you know, like I said, life is hard and it's busy and, and I, I don't stay as in good a shape as I, as I, as I could, maybe I'm no Cameron Haynes, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I try. And the reason I, I try is because I have shown up on the mountain and been out of shape and it has about killed me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't want that to happen anymore. So I try, but I fail. And I love, a I love, a, you know, anybody who knows me knows I love a hamburger and I love beer and uh, it's pretty hard to stay in sheep shape when you love those two things. <laughs> How about time on the trigger? I mean, how, how much preparation do you do shooting before you go on your hunts? And yeah, with, you, you have to edit your shows. I understand that takes a lot of time. So how much time do you spend on the range with your gear, and your, with, with your ammo and your gun? That That's a great question too. You know, it's funny. It's been an evolving thing. So when I, when I kind of started getting more and more serious about big game hunting and I wasn't just archery hunting, you know, whitetails for you know one deer a year kind of thing and i was really focusing on this just being almost a full-time thing um and i wasn't just shooting 100 yards anymore i was shooting 200 then 300 then 500 yards and you know and actually making my effective distance longer and longer you start to realize that just like working out and staying in sheep shape that takes a lot of practice and so um it's been an increasing thing i i've just now I've fallen in love with long range shooting and, and, and the art of, of marksmanship. 
And so I, I shoot a lot more. Um, and it goes in waves. So, you know, I'll get really busy and not shoot for a month, but then in the next month I might shoot a couple times a week. I have a range. I'm really lucky. Uh, I'm part of a little gun club, kind of a redneck gun club that they have a range about 25 minutes from my house. And we've got a 600 yard gong there. So it's not a thousand yard thing, but it's for hunting. I can sit there and really, really, really practice and practice out to effective hunting ranges. And, and so, um, it's amazing that confidence that it gives you, especially when you're on a, a high dollar, high pressure hunt, like a sheep hunt, um, to, to be able to look your guide in the eye and say, look, I want to be inside of 300 yards because it's better for the camera and it's better for everything else. But to be able to say to him, if we're clutch, I can make that 600 yard shot. Um, and I can do it ethically and effectively. Uh, and that, that it just, it makes your confidence on a mountain go up, just skyrocket. You know what I mean? So what, what, so what, I work, I work hard at it, but I, I'm, I just like, just like working out, I fail. I, I'll go for months sometimes and then work really hard for months. You know, what kind of hunts you got this fall next? So we can watch you next year when they, when they air, but what kind of cool hunts you have this fall? I've got all sorts of stuff. In fact, I'm supposed to be in Kyrgyzstan right now. I'm supposed to be on a plane to Kyrgyzstan today uh, to go on literally my one of my top three bucket list hunts uh, and uh, to go after Marco Polo sheep and uh, and Hume Argali really. And uh, and I'm I'm you know devastated about that. But COVID, you know, what I don't want to do is get over there and not be able to get back. <laughs> yeah be stuck in Bishkek, you know? So I'm supposed to be doing that. I, I'm, I'm pumping that till later in the year. Uh, I have a Kansas, um, a Kansas deer tag, uh, that I'm really excited. White tail tag. That I'm really excited about. I have a, uh, um, going to Utah for, um, for, uh, elk with a really cool, um, outfitter called Western lands outfitters that I hunted with last year. You'll be seeing my mule deer hunt this season in next wild ride uh i'm going back there for elk this year i'm really excited about that i'm going down to the yucatan for turkey to finish up my world slam i'm really excited about that um got a couple of really cool waterfowl hunts and a couple of really cool grouse uh i'm sorry uh, quail hunts lined up this year one of traditional wagon horse-drawn wagons traditional southern thomasville georgia quail hunt which i've never done before um and the list kind of goes on and on it seems that they all run together i i kind of go i'm going back to africa in june which i'm really excited about so it's a, it's a, it's going to be a great year you know it's hard to hard to believe i can top this last year though i had an amazing season last season too that sounds like an entire lifetime of of bucket list hunts in a season that is awesome it really is. You know, it's like I, when you talk about it like that, I, I do, I pitch myself. I don't take this for granted. I mean, it, I am, I say it and it sounds so cheesy, but you're literally watching a guy when you tune in and watch my show, you're literally just watching a guy living his, his dreams out and check, checking off his bucket list. And what a beautiful and wonderful opportunity I had to go and do this and share it with people. It's, it's so much fun. And I'm having the time of my life and, and, uh, I love sharing that experience with people. I really do. Well, that's fantastic. We love watching it. And, uh, Nick, thanks for coming. Uh, federal is, I mean, you're a proud 
we're proud friends and we're proud to sponsor your show, uh, Nick's Wild Ride on the Outdoor Channel. You can find it on uh, OutdoorChannel.com. Check out local listings for airtimes of this award-winning show. Uh, Nick, again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being part of the federal brand and its history and heritage. And uh, we look forward to hunting with you soon. Yeah, it means a lot to me. Uh, more than I can tell you guys. And thank you for your support. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Up next on the It's Federal Season podcast, a discussion with Federal's Director of Product Development, Jared Cutney, on bullet selection for a once-in-a-lifetime hunt. Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared. And nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your federal premium advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. And now it's our Tech Talk segment. And joining us to talk about bullet selection for a dream hunt is Director of Product Development, Jared Cutney. Jared, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks. So Federal has a long history of loading premium bullets for hunters pursuing their dream animal. And that could be a six and a half year old buck that's been calling the, the back 40 home for years, or it could be a, you know, a sheep at long distance. This year, Federal launched the best bullet offering it's ever had called Terminal Ascent. Jared, what is it about this bullet and its construction and all the attributes that make it the go-to bullet? That's a good question. Yeah, Terminal Ascent is, is a new offering for us this year, like you mentioned. And it's really the culmination of, of years of technology that's gone into our bullets. You think of the trophy-bonded bear claw and the robust bonding that goes into that bullet. That kind of morphed into a, a trophy-bonded tip bullet that's been on the market for you know over a decade now. And what we did is we really wanted to drive that bullet to extending its effective range. So we smoothed out the ogive, we've, we've added length to the boat tail, but most importantly on the polymer tip, it has a slipstream tip is what we call it. And that tip has a hollow channel that goes through the tip so that when it hits an animal, it actually breaks off and allows fluid from the animal to get in through the tip and initiate expansion. That is a, a patented tip that we have on that bullet and nobody else in the market has anything like it. That gives us effective ranges way beyond any bullet that is out there on the market right now and allows that bullet to expand at the lowest velocities that you'll see. Coming back to the bonding portion of it, we have the most robust bond in the industry. We talk to some of our competitors at, at shows, if we go to you know the SHOT Show or EWA or things like this, and our competitors will literally come up to us and say that we are their benchmark. We're the standard that they try to aspire to. And that's, that's obviously a huge compliment to us, but it's interesting to know from the technical experts at various companies, they come to us and say, we're trying to get our bond as good as yours. So you combine the, the slipstream tip with a robust bond, um, sleek profile, uh, extended boat tails, and you have a bullet that is second to none. We've also done something to the, the groove geometry on this bullet to reduce the amount of drag that the grooves have. Um, we, have we call them the AccuChannel groove, and we used uh, computational fluid dynamics to predict basically how much drag there's going to be on that groove. We've, we've basically sloped in and out that the, the profile that grew so that when the air is going past that bullet, it has less of a drag on the bullet. So you have a, a higher ballistic coefficient and the most effective bullet that you have on the market. 
That's awesome. Thanks, Jared. So we talk about, you know, there are a lot of different species to hunt, and that's why we have so many different offerings uh, for folks to choose from. We'd like to get your recommendations on the best cartridge and bullet offering. And let's start with everybody's favorite, the king, white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone loves to hunt white-tailed deer, and I'm a big white-tailed deer hunter in Minnesota. Um, we came out with a new product line this year called Hammer Down, and it's really a, a, a product line that's, that's designated and, and, and specifically for lever gun um, hunters. And so when you think about a, a whitetail hunt, many people are still using a 30-30. They love their lever action 30-30. And we have specifically designed both the, the cartridge case and the bullet um, in 30-30 for smooth operation and effective terminal performance on whitetail deer. When you think about that from, from the perspective of a Midwest hunter like we have here, when you don't have the, the longest shots, but you have your maybe your grandpa's gun that's been handed down to you, the hammer down product line is is second to none. You can't you can't beat it for a, a good whitetail hunt here in, in the Midwest. Talk a little bit more about terminal performance and the construction of that hammer down bullet. What's important about the way that bullet is built? Yeah, great great question. Um when you think about terminal performance, obviously what we're trying to do is get expansion of the bullet to try to deposit energy into an animal, but also retain as much weight as possible so that we penetrate deep enough to get to the vitals for a humane kill. Um, there are some bullets out there on the market right now that, that claim to be optimized for a lever gun, but to be honest with you, they don't really feed all that well in a lever gun, and the ter- terminal performance is, is not very good either. So when we came out with the, the hammer down line, we really wanted to make sure that we were firing on all cylinders and that we had great feeding in the firearm and that when the bullet was launched and um, it would hit the animal, you have a great terminal effect. So the bullet that we have in, in this product line is a, is a bonded bullet. It's actually a plated bullet that we use, and it ensures that we get good rapid expansion but also good weight retention. So when you hit that, that deer you know, broadside at, at 100 yards, you're going to get just perfect terminal performance, whereas other products on the market, you may not get um, as, as predictive of a result. So you might, uh, you might not be able to get to the vitals, or you might penetrate just a bit, bit too shallow, um, or you might have trouble feeding before you even you know, have a follow-up shot or something like that. So what we wanted to do is make sure that our product um, met all the requirements for, for a good whitetail hunt. That's great advice. So when, as you move up in size in North American big game, like elk, moose, uh, apex predators like the grizzly bear, what do you need to look for in, in both a cartridge and then talking about bullet construction, the, the bullet itself? When you think about elk and moose, you think of cartridges that need sufficient energy to, to drive terminal performance. Um, again, coming back to, to a terminal ascent bullet, um, that is definitely the recommendation I would have for, for a hunt like that. Um, 300 wind mag or, or 28 nozzler with a terminal ascent is going to be just perfect for an elk or moose. Um, close range, you get the, you get the robust um, bonding working to, to hold that bullet together. And at longer range, you have the terminal performance um, guarantee that we have when we, when we have that slipstream tip. Um, you, you think about stepping up to a, a grizzly bear, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking 375 H&H. And again, we talked about it earlier, uh, a trophy bonded bear claw is really a, a great option for, for a grizzly bear. Um, a 300 grain trophy bonded bear claw is going to you know, drive expansion, but also have a significant um, penetration. And so I would definitely step up to a, you know, three, 375 H&H for, for a grizzly bear, although a 300 wind mag would be you know, definitely sufficient with that 200 grain terminal ascent as well. Great, what about antelope, blacktails, odd ad, a little bit smaller game? 
Yeah. Um, for, for those, you know, they're a little bit thinner skinned animal, smaller animal. And uh, we have a new offering this year. It's the, the Swift Scirocco. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, what we've seen from a terminal perspective on those bullets and, you know, some of the following that those bullets have, um, they are they are fantastic for, for those types of animals. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably, you know, head towards like a 270 Winchester, 270 WSM, or maybe even a 6.5 Creedmoor. All of those use, use 130 grain Swift Scirocco bullets. And, um, you know, again, thinking about the bullets and, and trying to drive terminal performance, those bullets are, are a robust bullet. They have a, a thick sidewall in them, so they have controlled expansion. They have a, a polymer tip so that they have a high BC. So if you have a longer shot on an antelope or a, a blacktail buck or something, you know, you'll definitely have the, have the benefit of that polymer tip. But expansion and the, the robust bonding that, that Swift has is, um, is, is really perfect for an antelope or, or blacktail. And if someone's planning a dream hunt, like a desert bighorn sheep, stone sheep, mountain goat. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you think about those shots and a lot of times you're thinking, you know, mountains, you're thinking potential long shots. You're thinking, you know, you may only have one shot at your, at your desert sheep or, you know, a, a big horn or something like that. And, you know, you, you're, you're going to be putting all the faith that you need to have in that bullet. And when you think about it, the bullet is the only thing that comes into contact with that animal. Um, you got your gear, you got your boots, you got your gun, you got everything that you're thinking about. But the only thing that really does the, the final deed is the bullet. And so I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't use anything but terminal ascent on a, on a hunt like that. I would definitely find which, which cartridge, you know, that I have a, a rifle in or even, you know, set up myself so that I am able to use a terminal ascent bullet whether it be a, a factory loaded offering or hand loaded, um, I would definitely use terminal ascent. There is no better bullet on the market and you do not want to risk losing an animal when you have maybe just one shot, um, to get that done. It's a, it's a grueling hunt and you don't want to, you don't want to put your hands in the, in the, or you don't want to put your fate in the hands of a bullet that's maybe not going to get the job done. Great. What about hog hunting has become really popular. Would you do anything different if, if you're out hunting hogs? You know, me personally, when I think of hogs, I think of, uh, you know, maybe semi-automatics like, a, you know, a MSR style rifle or something like that. And, um, you know, you have quick follow-up shots and, you know, the opportunity to maybe shoot more than one animal, very much in contrast to what you're talking about with a, with a sheep hunt or something like that. Um, so again, I, I think, you know, almost immediately AR-15 or AR-10. And personally, I, I think the, the cat's meow for a hog hunt would be a, a 308 or even 338 Federal with a, with a trophy copper bullet. Um, AR-10s are, again, very popular for that, that game. And um, I think that, you know, 338 Federal has really found a, a, a pretty cool home within the AR-10. And 308 Winchester, you know, same thing. So you think about driving penetration, you got to get through some pretty thick bone and thick hide on hogs. And you want to have, you know, the ability to, to have quick follow-up shots. Trophy Copper and 338 Federal or 308 Winchester, just perfect. Awesome. And lastly, Predators, Fox, Coyote, Bobcats. Yeah. Anything yeah. different there? Yeah, it is. And um, you think, you know, in contrast, again, to hogs, um, thinner skin game like Fox, Coyote, or Bobcats, um, you really are thinking about a, a rapid expansion. You don't necessarily need to worry about heavy bone. Um, you're going to get the penetration that you need basically out of out of most bullets. So, when I think of a, a hog, or excuse me, a coyote or a fox or a, a bobcat, I'm definitely thinking 224 Valkyrie, and I'm thinking um, ballistic tip bullet. The ballistic tip bullets are intended to 
open up just as quick as they can and they deposit all kinds of energy right now. Most of the time with the ballistic tip bullet, you will not have an exit hole when you're when you're shooting those types of animals. And you know, frankly, when you're shooting bobcats or you know fox, a lot of times you want to save that hide. So you don't want to put another hole maybe in in the opposite side of that hide. So I'm thinking ballistic tip, 224 Valkyrie or other varmint type uh, type cartridges like a a 223 Remington, 204 Ruger, etc. Excellent. Well, Jared, thank you so much for providing guidance on bullet selection your expertise and what to look for when it comes to ballistics and terminal performance when selecting hunting ammunition this fall. Really helpful information. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks again. Hunters, you spend a lot of time thinking and dreaming about tagging out on that hunt of a lifetime. Remember that the last point of contact, like Jared mentioned, that you have with that animal is the bullet. Select a premium offering and give yourself the best opportunity to fill your tag effectively and cleanly. Up next, our news and notes sections of the It's Federal Season podcast. We'll share what's making headlines at Federal, including hot promotions on Federal gear and products. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. (laughs) Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Welcome back to the It's Federal Season podcast and the News and Notes segment. I'm Jason Nash, Vice President of Marketing. Let's talk about current events. We're all dealing with the COVID crisis in some way, shape, or form. But there are a lot of bright spots in the news in the outdoors industry, with the biggest news being the signing of the Great American Outdoors Act last month. This historic legislation will fund the preservation and revitalization of America's national parks, and permanently fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund. This is a huge win for the sportsmen and women seeking access to public lands to hunt, shoot, and fish. In addition to increased access, this legislation will boost local economies, which supports the thousands of related jobs. With COVID still making headlines, don't forget that hunting and recreational shooting is perfectly suited for social distancing. Whether it's in the deer stand, your favorite blind set against a food plot, at a sporting clay course, or some grouse woods, or an expansive prairie grassland teeming with upland birds, enjoy the outdoors this fall. Better yet, invite someone new to join you and introduce them to the enjoyment of hunting and shooting in a fun and safe environment. Sportsmen and women have a great opportunity to grow our passion sport now, and there's no better time than the present to recruit new people or reactivate those who are taking a break from hunting and shooting. Lastly, Federal has a ton of new offerings on our merchandise section of the website to choose from for this fall's hunting action. Go to federalpremium.com merchandise to find a new blaze orange hat, black cloud beanie, or sweatshirt to show off your Federal affinity. Our next podcast is set for release on October 8th. The host of the Fowl Life television show, Chad Belding, will be our guest to talk everything waterfowl from calling to decoy spreads 
the fall forecast, and ammo selection and recommendations for your desired species. It will be an entertaining episode for sure. If you like the Federal Season Podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season because it's federal season.